0: Uh, Good morning. It is Monday morning, February 20th, and I'm putting this together because I see the message is urgent relative to the euthanasia agenda. The title for this discussion is Get Ready for the Euthanasia Agenda. Grace's murder led me to exposing this nightmare. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly review Grace's death, why I call it murder, and how her death led me to exposing the euthanasia agenda in the United States and what that agenda actually looks like. Uh, all the items that I'll be going through that our producer Don brings up on the screen will all be in the show notes, including all the links, so there's nothing you need to screenshot. So first, I'll just dive right in. Why do I say Grace was murdered? You know, I didn't say she was murdered until April of 2022. She was murdered in October of 2021, and the reason is is I had to prove it to myself. Several of the podcast hosts were calling it murder, and, you know, I have a responsibility to God, not a court system, not anything else, and so I had to review the records. I had about 500 hours in uh, research. Don, you can bring up the timeline. I had put together this timeline of the main events. There's a lot more, but I put together this timeline of the main events. You know, Grace Grace was on a sedation med called Presidex for four and a half days when it was only supposed to be used for 24 hours, they combined Presidex with orazepam and morphine, which should never happen in a 29-minute window. And those meds, according to the intensivist who reviewed the records, said those killed your daughter. The doctor who helped me review the reports way back in November, the month after Grace died, uh, she said there's not even a question as to intention. Then you know we found out that the doctor put an illegal do-not-resuscitate order on Grace at, at 1056 the morning of her last day. So all these things are well-documented. If you look at the tragedy tab, Um, grace's website i'd encourage you to do that because i'm not going to go through all these details here uh and you can look at podcasts before april and you'd see that i'm i'm not calling it grace's death murder and then uh sometime in april i came to grips with that reality but you know what happened is once something like this happens in your life you have a choice you know my best buddy is now was now gone and so then you know, what do you do? And, you know, people were, uh, you know, just to give you a, a little bit of an insight as to um, that debate that goes on is very few people are supporting this. So a really good friend, when she looked at the research that I did said, I mean, anybody who looks at this, just look at the website, you can see what happened, but that's really not what's happening on a day-to-day basis. It's more like, as Jesus said, a prophet from his own hometown gets no respect. And we've I've been on a radio station, for example, and they received death threats uh, because they had me on. Uh, The lady, a lady who lives next door to the nurse who murdered Grace, called the radio station, telling him to take this whack job off the air. You know, those are the type of things that, you know, they're happening in real time in our life. And, um, but you have, you know, when this stuff happens, you have a responsibility. At least I believe you do. Uh, Interestingly, a nurse who, uh, saw me talk about this early on called the Wisconsin Christian news and said, this guy's lying about the DNR they put on grace. Uh, three weeks ago, I had a conversation with that literal nurse because she found out in the hospital her dad was in. She's the, she was the nurse and the power of attorney that the doctor put an illegal DNR on her dad. And so I talked with her because she actually believed me now, but she wouldn't come forward. And, you know, so she obviously didn't see the responsibility of the way that I did. She thought her job was more important. She's only a year away from retiring. Uh, but anyway, we're going to close the chapter on that right now, because I just want to share what happened next. So once you realize this happened or when I realized it happened, I went in and started digging. So I dug into the Holocaust. um, and saw the comparisons. I was able to establish a great relationship with Vera Sherrill, a Holocaust survivor. She helped me connect a lot of the dots uh, to see the parallels with today versus in World War II. And then I was exposed to Agenda 2030 and saw the depopulation agenda. I did a fair amount of research on the banality of evil um, and the Milgram Obedience Experiment. Don, can you just bring up the link for Milgram Obedience Experiment? So I'm not going to uh, go into that. You'll see it if you want to look into it, which I encourage you to do. Look on Greece's website. Then the, there's a great interview on the banality of evil. you can bring that up that's on Rumble uh, that I did with Sean from SGT. And so I'd encourage you to look into that. By far and away, the most surprising thing that I have learned through all of this is that the churches are in on it. And I haven't drilled that down on any podcast yet. Someday in the future, I'm sure I will. Um, But then you start digging. Okay, so now you start realizing, okay, this stuff happened. What is going on? How did it happen? And then um, I started digging into the statistics. I'm analytical, so I wanted to see what's happening in our medical community. So I want to just talk about uh, the first three years of COVID in terms of the numbers. So, Don, can you bring up the numbers don't lie? So if you look at this, again, this will be in the show notes, you'll see the United States is number one, and it doesn't say this on the sheet, but we're number one in one statistic you never want to be number one in, and that is hospital deaths with COVID as a diagnosis. We have 1.1 million deaths in the United States. That's number one on the planet by far. India is number two at just over half a million deaths, and India has four times the population of the United States, and their footprint on the planet is only one-third that of the United States. So you can't you can't make this up and you can see the conclusions that I I have on the bottom. So then how is this possible? And it's possible because there is a, a thing called a public health emergency. And that was put in place because Congress really relinquished control over a series of laws over a period of 50 years. And I exposed this uh, in my January 11th paper. And Don, you can just bring that link up. And this is, this paper is titled that the government can legally kill us. And this is true. I mean, this is not a joke, the title of that paper. So I went through systematically all the laws that were in place so that the government can, can literally kill us. And Catherine Watts, who's a constitutional law expert, she was a great insight for this particular paper. Uh, but I want to walk through just specifically What happens with this public health emergency? So in a public health emergency, the Secretary of the Health and Human Services is given unilateral authority to literally implement the equivalent of laws to kill us. So on January 31st of 2020 was the first public health emergency related to COVID that same public health emergency has to be re-upped every 90 days. And it has been continuously, and it was just re-upped again on January 11, 2023. So we already have 36 months continuous coverage under the public health emergency. So you think, well, that's good. Our government's here to protect us with these public health emergencies. Well, I'm going to show you that's not true. So on, on February 4th, just four days after The Health and Human Services Secretary determines there's a public health emergency. And Congress, by the way, through this series of laws that I reference, gives the Health and Human Services Secretary unilateral authority to declare a public health emergency and determine when it's over. So now, under this guise of a public health emergency on February 4th, he determines, quote, that there is, quote, a public health emergency that has a significant potential to affect national security. So authorize the PREP Act. The PREP Act is what gives immunity from liability to the hospitals if they follow the killing agendas, which you saw the numbers screen. If they follow the agendas that murder people, they get immunity from liability. They get bonus payments to follow those agendas. And then the jab gets immunity from liability on top of those other situations with the public or with the the PREP Act. Okay, so now we've got the public health emergency and the PrEP Act in place. And with that backing, the FDA now has the authority to, quote, strengthen public health protections, end quote. And they do that through emergency use authorizations, EUAs. So they immediately approved an EUA for ventilators. Ventilators, as if you don't know, ventilators have a 90% kill rate with COVID as a diagnosis. They should never be used for COVID. But they gave ventilators EUA status and you remember back when President Trump implemented the War Powers Act converting factories to produce these things as if this is a major tool we're going to use to fight COVID. It was a major tool to kill people and the hospitals receive approximately $300,000 when a patient or their family is convinced by the hospital salesperson to put your family member on this ventilator. Okay so then the the FDA also approved an EUA for remdesivir. And you think, how could they do that? Because the criteria is this, quote, an EUA may be issued only if FDA concludes there is no adequate, approved, and all available alternative to the product for diagnosing, preventing, or treating the disease or condition, end quote. So, of course, the FDA gets to determine this. So then they systematically squashed the trials for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine so they could approve remdesivir, which has a 75% kill rate. Okay, then the final EUA that they is for the, for the jab. And so now we've got the ventilator, remdesivir, the jab. And so they, through the, those EUAs, have the legal authority to murder U.S. citizens. So then you know you dig into further and i found the brooke jackson case brooke jackson is a whistleblower she sued pfizer by the way that case is coming up on march 1st in texas so keep paying attention to what's going on so pfizer defends themselves in the case saying we had no responsibility to test the supposed vaccine because we have a contract with the government. We we're only supposed to produce a prototype, not a vaccine. In October of 2022, just this past October, the United States government came in with a, a statement of interest. And you can bring up that particular document. This will also be in the show notes. I mean, When you read this, especially read pages 9 and 10, you'll see the government is saying to the world, if you're paying attention to the world, that this was never a vaccine. So they came to Pfizer's defense Um, All right. So you can take that off, Don. So then finally, what's the purpose of of this this video? And it's to warn everybody that mass euthanasia is already set up and in place. And that is happening next. It's already happening. But I want to give you some some uh, background so you can see it. So before COVID, there were 62 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. (coughs) after COVID, so three years later, there's 100 million. So a 38 million percent increase of citizens in the United States on Medicare and Medicaid. So you think, well, that's their old trick. They want to give away something for free to get the votes. Well, they've already got the the, the votes locked up, as we know, because the elections don't matter anymore. So what, what I believe is going to happen is how they're going to euthanize these extra people. So they've already convinced us through collectivism that the good of the state is more important than the good of the individual. And the numbers don't lie slide shows that these Americans on the public assistance programs accounted for 39% of the federal budget before COVID. So that number is going to skyrocket after COVID. And they've already got us convinced in this business of collectivism. So I think this is going to be disguised as a vaccine bioweapon mistake cover up. So we'll go unnoticed and won't be tracked and then it'll be further disguised by continued immunity from liability. So there's almost no lawsuits to expose this youth, euthanasia agenda. So think about this. Medical malpractice was the number three killer before COVID, behind heart disease, which has 700,000 deaths per year, and cancer, which is 600,000 deaths per year, in the United States. Why are not hospital murders at 1.1 million, the number one reported cause of death today? And the reason is because... You know, we're in the hospital lane, so I have a lot of familiarity with this. There's hardly anybody who's dug into the records. You know, We've dug into the records, but nationwide, I would expect, based on people I've talked with, maybe 10,000 people at best have even dug into the records. Why? Well, because they believe the white coat. So the white coat calls the family, your loved one just died of COVID, and then the government steps in and pays the family 9500 $9, dollars towards funeral expenses. So they think, oh wow, the, what a great government we have! They covered my my loved one's uh, funeral expenses. So nobody's digging into this; it's all hidden. You know, I'm trying to expose it through this little channel that we have, but you yeah. know, I'm just one person, and so all this data is being being buried to keep us from the real hospital killing agenda. And as you see my research, the information is available, but the propaganda machine keeps the population in the dark. Just last week, I received a call from a good friend of mine. He was thanking me for the, the work. And he he said that his mom, uh, he said, I'm trying to convince my mom, but she won't believe anything unless it's on one of the alphabet network channels. So, I mean, the stuff is out there. It's clear. I I have provided the documentation, but it still doesn't matter if you've been programmed. Okay, so then back to this euthanasia uh, specific. So we went from 62 million to 100 million. So that's a signal. We've got to do something to euthanize these people. Um, Collectivism, that's been sold under the banality of evil. Obamacare, this is is a huge deal. Obamacare was put in place... Um, on March 23rd of 2010, Ezekiel Emanuel, who is the prime architect for Obamacare. This is what he said in 1996, quote, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. So that means the elderly and the disabled, of course, we've got to get rid of those people. I mean, they're not producing anymore. Again, this has been sold under the guise of attenuated care, collectivism, and for the most part, the population has bought into it. Then on top of that, you have insurance companies that are behind the scenes working to chop costs. So, Don, just bring up that Journal of Ethics article. I want to, I want to read that. So scroll down, please. So while Don scrolls down, you're going to see, if you look at this article, you see a bunch. I want to go standards from without. All right. So in this, this first paragraph, Standards from Without, we're just going to read this together. Second sentence. In 1981, the American College of Physicians and the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association launched launched the Clinical Efficacy Assessment Project to evaluate use of specific medical procedures and technologies. Okay, so what's going on here? They did this specifically so that they could cut costs. And you. Know, so now you've got the pressure of... Uh, Obamacare, you've got the pressure of the uh, insurance companies trying to cut costs. So what costs are they trying to cut? You know, does it make sense to cut costs in business? Well, of course, but this is not, we're talking about human lives here. We shouldn't be cutting costs at the expense of a human life just because they're not a productive member of society any longer. So now we go to the next, I have six points. So I'm just going to review right now. So it, it and this is, the euthanasia agenda. So we went from 62 to 100 million. Collectivism. Obamacare is in place, supported by the uh, m- medical insurance industry. Ezekiel Emanuel, who is the primary architect. The next piece was implemented just in this last November, November 2022, under the public health emergency by the Health and Human Services Secretary. Remember, he has unilateral authority to implement the equivalent of law during a public health emergency. So, Don, please bring up the MedCAC charter document. So, this document was put in place the day before Thanksgiving, and this authorizes death panels. Obamacare, big scare with Obamacare is that there's death panels, which there was, and Congress supposedly squashed the death panels, but now they've reared their heads. So, now we have legal authority for death panels, again, through this charter document that the Health and Human Services Secretary implemented the day before Thanksgiving 2022. Okay, so I want to just share something that yeah, shares my my stupid sense of humor, but Health and Human Services, doesn't that sound good? It sounds like somebody's there to help you. And I'm going to tell you that all these acronyms they use are there on purpose, and every one of these things should be, have the acronym, the same acronym, and it's BOHICA. I'm not going to spell that out for you here now because this is a uh, rated G program, but look it up. I want you to look up BOHICA, see what it means. I think you'll you'll see that what I'm saying is true. So BOHICA is B-O-H-I-C-A. All right, so then the sixth point and final point as to the setup for math euthanasia youth is I want to show you a provision right out of Obamacare from 2010. So, Don, can you bring that document up, please? Okay, so we're going to scroll down to the third paragraph, and you'll see this is on page uh, 141, section 1533. It says, individuals individuals or institutions refusing to participate in, quote, assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing may not be discriminated against by the government. So process what that is saying. That means that if you're an a individual, a doctor, nurse, or a hospital who has a conscience, If you don't participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy mercy killing, you can't be discriminated against. So they're assuming the majority, because that's what they want, will be involved with implementing this agenda. So if you don't believe euthanasia is alive and well in the United States, um, I'm here to tell you just the opposite. And I'm telling you this um, why. Well, I'm going to get to that in the closing, but first I want to say, what's the, why is this even happening? So we're experiencing a world without God. The people who are in charge, they believe they need to control the planet, which is control the climate, control the population because God, there is no God. And so if there's no God. We become responsible. So why euthanasia? Uh, The elderly are our last source for real knowledge. So they've got to go quickly. The disabled don't contribute, so they take up resources. Uh, young people are disappearing for organ har- harvesting for satanic elites. Uh, this is really an uh, this is mind blowing stuff. Don, you can just bring up that link real quick. I'm not going to spend any time on this, but I really would encourage you to look at this this link. It's it's a two hour program, but she drills down um, organ organ harvesting, and it, it's it's not a surprise because everything that we're exposing is so evil. You know, what's the next thing? It just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, and then finally, the rest of us are willing slaves, not willing to take the red pill and see what's happening so we can break the chains. Okay, so I'm going to close up. In closing, all of this is, has happened because we were lulled to believe that America is the best place on earth to live. So we were lulled asleep by that false belief. While we were comfortable and lazy, all the groundwork was put into place for COVID, and COVID was the fuse to light the cabal's evil bomb. This has been going on for decades. COVID was just the excuse. What's even worse, forced euthanasia is only one evil tentacle. There's a whole bunch. I'm just in the hospital killing lane, and that's, that's what I'm trying to focus on and, and do the research on that lane. So I'm sharing this because Grace died to save lives physically and spiritually. God knew Grace's death would wake me up, and he would use me. This message, of course, is about your physical life as it's related to protecting yourself from the medical tyranny. If you see what I'm sharing, you can be prepared. Your spiritual life is eternally more important than your physical life. So while God called us to prepare, he also calls us to not rely on our preparations. We rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. One of the best sermons I've ever seen relative to our responsibilities is here. Don, you can just bring up that link. And so I'd encourage you to, to watch this. It's about 50, 58 minutes. Uh, if you're interested in seeing how the spiritual aspect of this evil agenda is playing out. So, I mean, we're all exposing evil, me included, but there's another side of this satanic coin. I believe Satan's going to come as an angel of light. So while we're experiencing evil, things keep getting worse and worse and worse. We're going to be clamoring for a savior and not the savior. Unfortunately, it's going to be disguise, Satan's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. And I wrote a long paper on this dated February 1st, and I'd encourage you to uh, spend some time either reading or listening to that paper. It's only 25 minutes long. So stay tuned and thanks for listening.